pretty tough on your host from the Never Ending Glory podcast. I'm your host, Luke Grilly. I'm here with my co-host, Jerry Burris. NFL, NFL season did not go well for us in week four, huh, Jerry? No, it was, well, it's been four weeks of hell for Cleveland, but it's an expected hell. But you've been in this, like, purgatory, so you're a little bit above where we are. You're right. just kind of waiting right. it out. So I actually think you have kind of this, this weight lift off your shoulders. I don't know what you're talking about, week four being hell. Well, you know, I think just uh, just watching the your your arch rival Rex Ryan beat you in the first shutout in the stadium's history, uh, it can be pretty brutal to watch. But you know, we we came out of uh, Tom Brady's suspension, unjust suspension, three and one. I said we were going to go two and two, so I guess we can be pretty happy with a three and one performance by my my New England Patriots. But I, I want to talk to you about. The, the phantom fumble by Duke Johnson at the end of the Redskins game. I, I didn't get to see that game, but it's, all I saw was Duke Johnson holding up the football outside the pile, yet somehow the Washington Redskins got the ball. Explain me how the hell that happened. Ch- last time I checked, the fumble requires an um, exchange of the football from one team to the other. Um, right. It's not a fumble recovery if that doesn't occur. So Duke Johnson gets hit, ball goes down, there's a pig pile. He stands up immediately, but the pig pile is still going on. He's holding the ball up over his head. The female referee is waving her whoa, arms whoa, in the other direction. You have, you have to say female. This is 2016. Doesn't matter if it's male or female. It's just say referee. The referee without a penis <laughs> was waving her arms emphatically in the other direction while Duke Johnson's holding the ball up in there. Conspiracy? I think so. I'm going to say I can relate to this, okay? Uh, much like Not when we had Jack from Wander on, and I could relate. Well, I have a penis. Um, I can relate just like I could relate to Jack from Wander about being in a band when I was in high school. Um, back in seventh grade, playing against Amherst in the playoffs, I caught a great, great uh, drag pattern and a 121 waggle playing tight end. I get it down to the one yard line, couldn't get in the end zone. And then we do a nice little halfback dive. Pat Leonard, great running back, runs it up the middle. And then the other guy comes up with the ball. The ref says, I don't know who fumbled the ball. Let's give it to the other team. And then Amherst won the playoff game, and I've been emotionally scarred ever since, and that's probably why I, uh, I quit football. Seventh grade, tough years for all of us, I understand. <laughs> Very awkward stage for me. Um, hey, let's get, into the, let's get into the week four fantasy takeaways. No, let's talk about four, your seventh grade five. football career, Mark. Come on, we got Okay. Okay. Well, no. it's pretty solid tight end. Let's get into um, this. You know, Fry ran like a six four forty. Um, stop. God. <laughs> took like stop. three guys to break me down. <laughs> um, Jerry on Twitter, they can find us. Our awesome listeners can find us at Glory Podcast on Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast on email. Send us emails negpodcast at gmail dot com. We've been getting a bunch of great questions coming in on the email and via Twitter and on Facebook. All those listeners that are sending in questions, I, I swear to God, we are printing off T-shirts as we speak. They're beautiful. Shout out to Proforma and Mike Sollenberger for printing those off for us. We'll begin those out in the next few weeks here. Um, on iTunes, you can find us, subscribe to us, like us, review us, rate us, Never Ending Glory Podcast. And, of course, on Dynasty Football Warehouse, you can find us. And then, Jer, you know, we are building our brand here, Never Ending Glory yes, Podcast. All of our friends, not only do we like talking sports and entertainment, football entertainment, we also like to talk college football. So find our college football show at NEGPodCFB on Twitter. I'll also be uh, sending out every time they release uh, an episode on Facebook and on SoundCloud as well. And then we have Major League Baseball playoffs uh, kicking off right now. 
last night the Blue Jays won in extra innings. So oh, we'll be talking we'll be talking baseball at NEG Pod MLB. So again, we have a lot going on here. NBA is coming out soon too. And with all this, we need to be fueled. We need to uh, to have that good revenue coming in. So we're partnered with Buckeye Vodka. Shout out to Buckeye Vodka, the best vodka you can have in the Buckeye State. Hence the name. Drink local. It's delicious. We're going to have a nice, huge logo of the Buckeye Vodka on those T-shirts that will be coming out. So um, shout out to Buckeye Vodka and Hallie over there. Uh, Jerry, are you sipping on some Buckeye Vodka tonight? Tonight, absolutely. got myself a little uh, Moscow Mule. Got my copper cup. All ready to go. Let's talk some football. Okay, okay, okay. So real quick, let's preview the Week 5 uh, Browns-Patriots game. I don't think we really want to talk too, too much about Week 4. You're going to be at the game. Yes, I was supposed to be at the game, but uh, life got in the way, unfortunately. I won't be able to make it to the beautiful state of Cleveland. So tell me what you can uh, expect in week five. There'll be we'll see a lot of Tom Brady, but no Josh Gordon. Yeah, no Josh Gordon. We were kind of expecting this to be the uh, the showcase of both uh, he and Tom Brady. Um, kind of redemption thing for, for Tom Brady here um, in a different way than Josh Gordon. You know, Josh Gordon didn't play at all last year, missed a uh, significant time the year prior. And we were hoping, you know, is this going to be the time he bounces back and shows what he really can do? And he drank his face off and had to go to <laughs> rehab again. Um, but what do you expect with a, a guy whose best friend is Johnny Manziel? So um, I'll t- the preview of this game a little bit is to talk. If you're talking Browns, you're talking, can we stay in the game? If you go back right. and watch the, the past two weeks, we've been in games. They've been entertaining. It's not like we're getting blown out. And that's a step in the right direction. This team will win a game they're not supposed to. There's a chance that they could win this game on Sunday. There's a chance, a small chance, a very ice cube chance in hell, you might say. But how? There's a chance. Okay, how? 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 Listen, I know last time the Browns or the, the Patriots went to Cleveland, I was there. Peyton Hills ran all over the Patriots, mm-hmm. and we lost. I forget what the score was, but it was ugly. I think we lost by like two touchdowns. Who is going to, number one, stop Tom Brady? And number two, who is going to score points for the Browns? Isaiah Crowell? If if you're relying on Crowell, then you're in trouble. Here's the problem, yes. And the positive. If we can rely on our ground game, force the Patriots to play defense for the majority of the game, we have to control probably two to one in time of possession. There's a chance for us. If we try to make it a shootout, it's never going to work. Never in a million years. I saw the passes that Tom Brady's been throwing to different, you know, uh, dummy receivers and, and wherever he's working out, and even in the backyard. That's for an Under Armour commercial. No, no, no. <laughs> no you can see the the uh, Twitter videos and stuff. It's like people sneaking up through the fence, recording it. Yeah, that, that, was under, that was an Under Armour video uh, uh, commercial. He, he was videotaping this past weekend. No, no viral. That's not the one I'm talking about. I'm talking about from uh, right before the season started. Oh, okay. Working out some high school, yeah, um, outside of Boston. Anyway, if they try to if they try to get into a, a, a shootout, it's not going to happen. You know that's not going to work. But if we can control the clock, if we can control the ball, and Isaiah Crowell, who's you know arguably a top five running back right now in fantasy, uh, can get can get into the end zone multiple times, we have a chance. And arguably a top five fantasy football running back in Isaiah Crowell. He's a guy who gets the ball what, 25 to 30 times a game. 
Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give you arguably top 10. I'm not going to give him top five right now, but okay. I see what you're saying. It, he's, he's a true workhorse running back right there's, now. In the yeah, NFL. exactly. Okay. He's a three down back that there's not a lot of, you know, right now, obviously like DeMarco Murray and Ezekiel Elliott, those are probably your top two, but he's, he's, he's up in the top 10, you know, this, I'm not going to rank him as high as probably do Brock Osweiler, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> Again, a different pod for a different day. You um, want, okay. You, you wanted a you wanted a hot brown sports take. Well, here it is. There it I is. Think, there it is. I think Sunday is going to be a great day for Cleveland. I think we get two wins on Sunday. Wow! Wow! So, as, if you don't follow baseball, uh, the Red Sox and the Indians are playing in the ALDS right now. The first round, or I guess technically the second round of the playoffs now, because it's a stupid wild card playing game. Um, game three is kicking off at four twenty eight on su- or four oh eight on Sunday. So, yeah, that game will be, be will be played in Boston though. Um, so imagine imagine if they had the Patriots Browns in Cleveland and then game three of the ALDS in Cleveland, what kind of shit show that would be for the city of Cleveland and all, and all the Bostonians. I think, I feel like by the end it could either go one of two ways that by the end, the, the, the fans are embracing each other, like a bunch of drunken Irishmen because they've been drinking all day, watching both their teams play, or it would just be absolute anarchy and chaos and fights everywhere. Um, I'm assuming, you know, I think it would actually go towards the the side of it would be very friendly and like a loving, like, oh, you, you got us this time, but we'll get you next time after 15 IPAs. Maybe. Now, I will say this. If I if my prediction is two, you know, two Cleveland wins on Sunday, if you put a uh, money on the line, then no, we're going on two. Well, let's let's make a friendly wager here. I mean, what do you want to bet that uh, that you know the the Patriot or the Boston goes two and zero? I'll, I'll bet Boston goes two and zero. You bet Cleveland goes two and zero, and then we'll we'll you know one and one's a, a push. But what do you want to bet here? Ve- Vegas is siding on your uh, end of the spectrum in a big way. You got to give me odds here. All right, so I'll give you uh, I'll give you a twelve pack of. Um, of New England's finest craft brew, and you give me a six pack of right, Ohio craft. <laughs> you don't have to. Do, we don't have to do twelve to a six pack. How about oh, if we're doing a beer bet, then we'll do a beer bet. But how okay. about this? Um, if I think would be better is if Cleveland goes two and zero on Sunday, you got to give me a, a four pack of sip of shun, sunshine and ship that Ooh, out. Okay, okay, Hard I like that. Stuff. I like that. Okay. Very hard to find. Next time I find it, I'll be sure to bring it out. Um, if, of course, the uh, the the Clevelanders go two and zero. If uh, you know what, if New England goes two and zero, you owe me a six pack of Bumbleberry. Love that beer. Done. Delicious. Right by my Boom. house. Done. All right. Every, everybody heard it here first on the NEG podcast. We made a beer bet going on the uh, the New England sports, the New England versus Cleveland sports this weekend. It's going to be a fun time. There'll be a lot of shit talking going back and forth, not only between Jerry and myself, uh, but also with our, our text chain with the whole crew that you hear oh, yeah. on the Never Any Glory podcast family. Um, I've, got like, we'll I've got like nine people from Boston coming out to uh, oh, play yeah. the game with me, and uh, I can't wait to not listen to them. <laughs> Shout out to Boston Gravel. Uh, drive down 93 South, and you'll see that every time. Check out the movie The Town and Ben Affleck worked there. Anyways, right. um, we had a couple major trades in our league that uh, really shook up both our teams uh, for, yes, I think, did. for the better, for the most part. Um, 
<laughs> Hopefully. Let's talk about that real quick, uh, just to kind of give uh, get in the head in our heads about why we wanted to make this deal and uh, and maybe some similar deals that our listeners can kind of reflect on and, and see, you know, use what we're talking about in their day-to-day fantasy lives. Um, that's not a really weird day-to-day fantasy lives. It's like playing that like Half-Life game or The Sims or something like that. Or like Anyways, General Hospital. Um, <laughs> I want to give a shout out to Luke Conley for offering me this deal. Uh, Luke Conley can be found on the never ending glory MLB podcast. He offered me Amari Cooper. Uh, sorry. I would give up Amari Cooper, Travis Benjamin and Spencer Ware in return for Julio Jones, Julius Thomas and Tajay Sharp. And that was almost an instant except uh, reason being because I drafted a ton of wide receivers to, to fill up my wide receiver three spot. And Travis Benjamin was one of those guys. Mari Cooper was my de facto wide receiver one. I had him and Larry Fitzgerald as well as Benjamin as my third. And on the bench, I had Mike Wallace. I also have Philip Dorsett, who Dorsett's the number two wide receiver and saved my fantasy week with a late 64-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Um, so I, I made that deal real quickly. Also, too, because Julius Thomas, I have Antonio Gase as my tight end, and he's been banged up. So, granted, Julius Thomas was out last week with an elbow injury, and he's on a bye this week. So, I'm in a little bit of a uh, tight spot at tight end this week. But I think uh, Julius Thomas will be a solid starting option moving forward. However, the main jewel for me was Julio Jones, who we'll get to him later um, when we talk point pounding. He went for 12 for 300 and a touchdown. So, Initially, uh, great dividends are being paid on this trade. However, I did give up some wide receiver depth. Travis Benjamin is the number one wide receiver right now in San Diego. Mari Cooper is a solid receiver as well in Oakland. Um, so I gave up a lot to get a lot. Um, but, Jer, I mean, All not right. obviously uh, not thinking about what Julio Jones did on Sunday. But moving forward, was this a smart trade for me? Why or why not? Of course it's a smart trade for you. This, this trade <laughs> pissed me off. <laughs> Who, tra- who trades a number two pick overall or a number three pick overall? Number two, actually. Number I took two Julio, in our uh, league. three, yeah. <laughs> who, who does that? Luke Conley. Welcome back to the league, buddy. <laughs> Fleece. Yeah. I, Fleece. I mean, so I, so this is a trade week, I used to make with you. You're, you're absolutely right. But that was on draft day, not week four. Um, yeah, so I was, you know, every week I was just saying to myself, like, did I get, did I do the wrong thing by drafting Todd Gurley third overall? I always mess up my first round pick. Last year it was LaShawn McCoy. Two years ago, I think it was CJ Spiller. Just like, I always can never get the number one overall pick or the first round pick right. And now I have two first round picks in my starting lineup. So, and in Julio a Jones is. League, a, you're not supposed to have Julio Jones and, and Todd Gurley. Todd right, Gurley. Right. And, um, yeah. Who's your quarterback? Um, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. That's just that, good That's a 10-team league roster right there. Right. So my squad's looking good right now. Knock on wood. Um, I mean, Julio Jones was an absolute beast. I mean, maybe Conley was a little bit turned off by how much uh, Atlanta's been running the ball. Obviously, with Tevin Coleman and De- uh, Devontae Freeman, they have a two-headed monster down there. So And Jacob Tammy's been soaking up a lot of targets. Mohamed Sanu, when he's healthy, he's been soaking up targets. So maybe... Conley thought that Julio Jones isn't going to see the ball as much as he did last year, but Mike Shanahan loves his number one wide receiver. He's going to chuck it to his number one wide receiver. And um, again, it was a, it was an instant accept by me. It was just kind of hashing out the details. He wanted Spencer Ware. I don't know why, but I said, okay, take him. Um, so I'm happy that that move that gives me a stud wide receiver, a stud running back, stud quarterback. I'm trying to win title number three in the league from the Ville, but you made a huge trade too. Um, 
a trade that was necessary due to your yeah. less low, less than mediocre <laughs> draft. Running, back, running back depth is an issue with my team. Um, right. So why don't you, why don't you tell the people uh, what that trade looked like? I got a, I got a text message from our, uh, our buddy, Jared just said, do you want Cam Newton? And I said, go, I just yep. said, go on. Um, <laughs> he goes, here's the thing. I need a, I need a legit number one wide receiver and you know, look and see what you need, and, and I'll give you Big Ben. Or and I want Big Ben. I said, okay. So let me look. I said, uh, how about Big Ben and Demarius Thomas for Cam Newton and Legarrette Blunt? And we both, you know, kind of chit chatted a bit, and then done. Boom! It happened. Of course. Then on Sunday, yeah. with my luck, Cam Newton gets <laughs> knocked upside the head. Done. Legarrette Blunt gets shut out. You know, no no touchdowns scored by the entire New England team. It's never happened in Boston since 1993. And Big Ben throws for five touchdowns in I think the f- first two quarters. So right, right. Great I, job. Think, I mean, the initial the initial um, return is not good because um, Demarius Thomas had a great game as well. But I think long term, I think it's going to work out for you. I wouldn't. I would be shocked if Cam Newton misses the Week Five Monday Night Football game. I understand concussions are a huge thing in the NFL right now, but I really would be very surprised if he misses that game. And, and cam's a do it all player. He's going to score you a ton of fantasy points regardless. Uh, I, I, Listen, I don't love LeGarrette Blount because the running back position is very fluid in New England. Yes. However, there's no other player on the roster that can play the big back position uh, other than LeGarrette Blount. Um, Brandon Bolden just went down with a somewhat serious knee injury. He's going to miss some an extended amount of time. And other than that, they have James White and Dion uh, Lewis coming back in probably three to four weeks. So... Again, there's still no big back to play that role. And in our league, again, what, what's interesting about our league is you get a quarter point per carry. And while there's going to be a lot of games where Brady chucks the ball 50 times and Blunt gets 10 touches, there's going to be a lot of goal line opportunities for Blunt. And, um, you know, it's going to be tough. You're going to be very frustrated every now and again, but it's going to be much better than uh, relying on Jay Ajayi and uh, Thomas Rawls. So uh, those are the guys you had before that. So yeah. I think it worked out for you. And because I think it's a lot easier to find a receiver on the waiver wire in fantasy football, because there's so many guys out there, especially in PPR, than it would be to try to find a running back who's going to get consistent 10 to 15 touches a game. And at least, you know, you have that with LeGarrette Blunt. And I just bumped um, everybody up a spot. And then so now Stephon Diggs went from our flex into my wide receiver, too. Right. And Diggs has been great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, he's a younger player. So he will have weeks like weeks one and two that were dynamite stud wide receiver one numbers. And then weeks like three and four where he is going to be an underachiever. So Same that's just kind of the point. Growing pains of having Stephon Diggs. But, um, you know, you're not going to win a title this year anyways, Jer. So don't worry about it. <sighs> that's my uh my weekly dig at you hey let's talk week four point pounders a lot of a lot of wide receivers put up big numbers this year or this week uh aj green started off hot on thursday night against the dolphins 10 for 179 and a touch i was flying back from indy from that uh little sales meeting i had where i was hammered uh recording episode yeah, I mean, 20, you keep telling your boss that and don't worry about it. it's my father i'll get over <laughs> it um, <laughs> um I got off the plane and by then, you know, I had a layover in Baltimore and by then AJ green already had like 120 yards and a touchdown. So it's like, okay, the league that I had AJ green, that, that's going to go well and finish with great numbers. Um, Michael Crabtree. What do you, what do you, what do you think about Michael Crabtree this year? 
I mean, he's the beneficiary of Amari Cooper. Um, you, you can't double him every play and, and then leave Michael Crabtree one-on-one. People forget Michael Crabtree is a great downfield um, receiver. And he's, corner, corner Richard Sherman is a sorry-ass receiver. That's true. That's true. But Richard Sherman is also the, the best corner in the game, arguably. But Michael Crabtree is a very serviceable wide receiver. You know, he can go across the middle and go vertical. He can he can do pretty much the whole route tree and uh, get you points. And if people are going to be rolling their coverage to Mari Cooper, you know, because they're terrified of what he's able to do, it's just going to benefit it more. Now right. you got to start balancing out your your defense um, to those guys if you want to be successful against the the Raiders. It's just too bad that they don't have a defense to go with that offense. Right. Yeah. I mean, we thought Khalil Mack would be would turn this defense around, but the Oakland secondary is the worst secondary in the league. Um, but oh, last week, last week, Michael Crabtree had seven catches for 80, 88 yards and three touchdowns. It was an amazing game by him. It's a funny story. I actually had just, I traded Michael Crabtree pretty much for Jeremy Macklin. Um, right before the, the one o'clock game started. And that is the reason why I lost my week in the league. But so you win some, you lose some when it comes to trades. Um, I, here's the thing about Crabtree. You know, the three touchdowns are awesome. I love seeing it. He, he's been good this year. I think he's got four or five touchdowns on the season. He's consistently put up double-digit fantasy points in the first four weeks of the season. Um, but, you know, I'd sell him high at this point because his value is at an all-time high. And Amari Cooper is going to get his touches. And I'm not saying Crabtree is going to, you know, regress into a, a non-startable player. But I just think he's more of a... His ceiling is more of a, a consistent wide receiver two than the wide receiver one we've been seeing for the past few weeks. That's my personal feel on it. I just think that while right now is de facto one A, that Amari Cooper's one B. I, I just I think Amari Cooper's a little bit more talented, and he's going to uh, you know pa- bypass him on the uh, on the packing order. You will, but. But the number one positional player, non-quarterback, that scored this week in fantasy football was Julio Jones, twelve for three hundred and one. I mean, it was. It's so much fun having Julio Jones on your fantasy team because, listen, while three hundred yards and a touchdown is amazing, the, the the definition of point pounding came from just those guys that it's not like they get you like Philip Dorsett. I mentioned had a sixty-four yard touchdown on one catch at the end of the game. That was literally all he did. That was his only catch for the game. Mm-hmm. He's not a point pounder. He just uh, scores your points in in bunches. Julio Jones gets to you points on the first drive and all the way to the last drive. He's filling up the stat sheet. He's on stat tracker. You're seeing your numbers go up. He's a grinder as our, as our co as our, um, uh, one of our, our friends, colleague. Mark says, I'm sorry, colleague as Mark says, he grinds, he scores you points. He's a lot of fun to have on your fantasy team. Um, so I'm thrilled to have him. He's this week's point pounder for, for week four. Um, but there's other quarterbacks and what and running backs that scored well, you know, this week as well. Um, you had one of them on your team for most of the week. Ben Roethlisberger had had five <laughs> had five touchdowns against the Chiefs, who just had six picks against Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Jets the week before. So you know, it's so funny with the NFL. You think you know what you're talking about after the the Chiefs dominated. Uh, and scored you like 30 points. Their defense scored 30 points. You figure, all right, let me play them against the uh, the Steelers, who just really struggled against the the Eagles the week before. And then the Steelers just absolutely shred the Kansas City defense. So it's so hard to get a handle on these teams. Um, but Roethlisberger, 300 yards, five touchdowns, one two point conversion, got 43 and a half fantasy points in our league, which is absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. And then. Um, 
my newest wide receiver one, Julio Jones, his quarterback, Matt Ryan, had 503 yards, four touchdowns, and one pick. So he was the highest scoring. He's actually the number one quarterback right now in fantasy and scored 44.65 fantasy points in our league. Uh, pretty impressive. Huge numbers from quarterbacks this year, uh, as well as, as those um, those wide receivers. But real quick, I want to talk about some running backs that had good weeks and who have not only had good weeks, but also have had great seasons so far. Um, DeMarco Murray. I mean, where did this guy come from? I understand two years ago he was great in Dallas, but last year he really struggled in Philadelphia. Now he's in Tennessee. He had the number one running back week in week four, and he's overall the number one running back. So where did this come from, Jer? I think we mentioned it back in you know, several episodes before the season started. We said, is Tennessee's offensive line arguably the best in the league? And then they put a really good downhill running back in DeMarco Murray behind it. I mean, that's what he benefited from in uh, Dallas. He had, you know, they keep saying Dallas's offensive line is the best in the league, best in the league. And it's pretty easy to run behind. Well, you know, see Zeke, be, uh, Zeke Elliott is arguably the best rookie running back uh, and definitely one of the top five running backs in the league right now. So it's definitely the same situation where DeMarco Murray's benefiting from what they do offensively. Um, they also give him the ball a lot. Like, name right. another running back who's not just getting force-fed the ball 25, 30 times in, in uh, the NFL. I mean, obviously, Crowell, but that's <laughs> Yeah, and we'll actually – so the next player we want to talk about, and, and we'll talk about Melvin Gordon in a second, um, he's getting forced for the ball. But, yeah, right now, DeMarco's on pace for 264 rush attempts, which isn't that crazy. I mean, that's a pretty standard number for, for an NFL running back. Uh, 1,360 rushing yards. But what's impressive, and which is going to be probably, i got to look at his numbers from when he was in Dallas last time. But right now, he's on pace for um, for. 76 receptions, which is, I, th- I believe, a career high for him. Yeah. Let me just pull up the numbers real quick right here. Um, yeah, in Dallas, he had, that year, he had 845 rushing yards. He had 57 receptions, and the year before, he had 53. So if he hits 76 rushing, um, receiving, or receptions, that's easily going to be his, his best season ever. So really impressive how they're using him. He's also on pace for 20 total touchdowns. I really think that these are very sustainable numbers. I wouldn't be shocked if he keeps it up for the rest of the year. I, I, other than barring an injury, which obviously is a freak thing that could happen any second, there's no reason why De- DeMarco Murray is not going to be the, the finish the season as the RB1. He's going to be very similar to Devontae Freeman's numbers last year, and it's just going to be – if you drafted him in the fifth or sixth round or maybe a little bit earlier, you've, you've, you're reaping the benefits from that. And also, the big thing was we thought Derrick Henry was going to get a ton of touches. He only was on the, the field for nine snaps in week four. So I don't think that the coaching brass doesn't like him. I just think that DeMarco Murray's been so good that they don't want to waste touches on Derrick Henry. Save him. Why not? Right. Yeah. They're not going to mess up, you know, his season by throwing him in there. You know, if he's not sure what's going on or he's a little foggy with the offensive playbook and then gets hurt, you know, he's wasted a guy that's, it's backing up your, your number one. It's right. it's not a bad thing to have him sitting on the bench a little bit, and then you know as those number uh, carries get up there for Demarco Murray, you know, God, here comes the Heisman Trophy winner, um, yeah, and he's going to pound you. Right, not not a bad not a bad problem to have. No, um, unless Demarco Murray's going to pound you, that's a pretty bad problem to have. See what I did there? Yeah, I was I was noticing, but I didn't laugh. It, is this microphone on? Is this yeah. on? Yes. <laughs> Let's go on. Um, 
the uh, second best running back in week two, so or week four. And funny enough, so DeMarco Murray was the best running back in, in week four. This guy we're going to talk about was the second best running back, and the next player we're going to talk about was the third best running back in week, in week four. But these three guys are also the top three running backs overall for the season. So this kind of just goes to show the kind of the kind of weeks and seasons that they're having, and um, and they're not first round picks. And that just goes to show you how running backs have uh, kind of screwed people over this this year in fantasy football. But uh, Melvin Gordon had 36 rushing yards, not great, but two touchdowns, along with six receptions for 43 receiving yards, but he did have a fumble lost. Another great game, put up 26 points in our fantasy league, Jer. Um, I mean, here's the thing. He's been the number two overall running back because he's finding the end zone so much. But he's on pace for 292 rushes for 920 yards and 24 rushing touchdowns. Zero receiving touchdowns. I mean, I'm sure he'll get one eventually, but I, do you, I mean... Unlike DeMarco Murray, I don't see these numbers being sustainable. Do you? No, I think 24 uh, touchdowns by Melvin Gordon's way overrated by the projections. Um, I see him a double-digit touchdown guy, but I think it's going to be closer to 15, maybe 16 at the high end. Their their offense is so predicated on that short pass to a guy like um, who they just lose the other day. Um, They lost Danny Woodhead. Danny Danny Woodhead. they're used to that kind of guy as the changeup, and right. That, they, got, they, have, they have Dexter McCluster now, who who plays the same role, but he's not yeah. as good as Danny Wood. He doesn't. He's he got picked up off the street, I believe. Um, yes. So he's still learning what they're doing there. I think that the numbers that are projected out there from Melvin Gordon are just a little ballooned up, way too high. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, listen, if you have Melvin Gordon in your team, he's the number two running back. I would try to trade him as soon as possible and get a ton. I mean, you could trade him straight up for a stud wide receiver if you need it, um, you know, a stud court. I mean, you could trade him for a top five player because right now he's the number two running back. If, if mm-hmm. I would, he's at his all time high. And again, he's so touchdown dependent that it's, it's stupid to hold on to him at this point. Um, so the number three running back of week four, and then the number three running back overall is LaShawn McCoy. And, I, you know, I remember when we did the live draft back on like episode 22 or whatever it was, I remember saying to you that why is LaShawn McCoy going so late in drafts this year and why am I not drafting him? You know, I kind of got stuck in that whole group think thing there where I thought he was worth an early second round pick, but I wasn't willing to jump on him until the third round. And by then he's already gone. You know, even last year when Sammy Watkins was healthy, the Bills threw the least amount of passes in the NFL and LaShawn McCoy, granted, he, he hurt his ankle early last year, so he was never the same. But this year, he came into the season healthy. Carlos Williams was cut. Um, all the other backups were not a threat to LaShawn's playing time. And, and now we're seeing it in fantasy that he should have been, uh, you know, he should have been an early second round pick. I'm not going to say he was worth a first round pick because the track record states that he's getting older. Um, he was, you know, wasn't they, they use a lot of two down or they use a lot of running back by committees in in um in Buffalo from time to time, which is very frustrating because I had LaShawn McCoy. Um, but you know, this year, this week, he went 19 for 70 rushing and then six or 38 and uh and one touchdown receiving just under 24 fantasy points. And he's been a surefire RB1 from week one through week four, so. Yeah. I wish I drafted him. I don't have him in many leagues, unfortunately. Um, I like to hear what you think about him, Jerry. It's well, it's nice to see him doing those kind of numbers after last year. It was kind of a disappointing year last year for uh, 
for owners of LaShawn McCoy. I don't know if it's going to be sustainable to rely on him for 24 fantasy points a week. Um, right, right. I think the situation they were in against the, the, the Patriots was this was kind of their Super Bowl. Their, their first <laughs> half of the season Super Bowl, they had a lot to prove. You know, Rex Ryan is kind of, you know, playing for his job every week or coaching for his job right. every week. And, you know, Sean McCoy is a game changer for sure, but is he a guy you can rely on to get you into the playoffs? I doubt it. I don't think so. I don't know. I think that he's uh, he's got borderline RB1 value for the rest of the year. Um, I mean, and he drafted him probably not as your RB1. If he did, then he drafted stud wide receiver, so you're probably good to go. But um, I think you, you can rely on about at least 10 points a game from him touchdown dependent on making him a, a high teens, early or low twenties. But, um, I like him. I like him a lot. Uh, yeah. I, I will actually be, I'll probably be trying to trade for him Great. in the next Let's few weeks here. Another, though. Uh, top rated guy. On your team. <laughs> it's fine. Maybe, maybe Conley or whoever has me. Like like <laughs> um, so before we get into week five, you know, we're about a quarter of the way through the NFL season and we're about just under a third of the way through the fantasy football regular season, because obviously most leagues start their playoffs in week 14. So at this point, we kind of know where guys are at and what they're going to do. So let's play the who's right, who's wrong game and, uh, you know, kind of eat some crow if we have to. Well, I am right and wrong, actually. No, you're um, always wrong. <laughs> the two titles I have say that's not tr- not correct. Crickets. Is this Crickets. thing on? Is Crickets. this thing on? <laughs> um, all right. So let's talk about who I thought or I was right about. And then we'll hear about who you're right about. And I'm very curious to see who you're going to type there because uh, right now that that's that space it's is flashing. Flat. It's just flashing. <laughs> um, but the first player that I think that I was right about and I got him late in drafts. Well, not late, but late as a starter. I got him in the fifth round in most drafts is Larry Fitzgerald. He had a great year last year and finished as a top 12 wide receiver in most leagues. Yet for some reason was being drafted as a wide receiver two ish, almost wide receiver three. I got him as my wide receiver two in a couple leagues. He's been great so far. He's been consistent. Uh, there's some games where he's a wide receiver one. There's other games where he plays like wide receiver two. And I I'm thrilled with his production so far. Obviously I'm a little bit nervous because Carson Palmer is out on Thursday night uh, against the 49ers. Drew Stan will be playing instead. So that has hurt his numbers a little bit, but Fitzgerald is still one of those players that will bounce back. I think he'll be fine. Uh, I love him in Bruce Arian system. So I'm pretty happy with that. The other player I really like Mike Wallace. I knew that once he went to Baltimore, he'd be a great option for Joe Flacco as a deep ball guy. Uh, they got Steve Smith and Dennis Pitta going across the middle. Rashad Perryman is coming back. He's still not really taking too, too many targets away from Mike Wallace. Wallace has been a solid wide receiver, too, throughout the first four weeks of the season, and he's just been, he's been awesome. Um, and then the, the final guy I want to brag about a little bit uh, in, a, in a different way than the other two is Jeremy Langford. I was never sold on Langford at all. I thought he was terrible last year. He had a couple good games, but overall his yards per carry was under four. He was just more of a volume player, and now he's a lead back. And I just thought that he was going to get passed up by Jordan Howard. I was preaching that during when I was we were talking rookie drafts and we were talking you know startup drafts and, and redraft drafts. And now we see Grant's due to injury, not him sucking. You know he sucked, but Jordan Howard is now the starting running back in Chicago. So I'm pretty happy about those three. 
Um, Jer, who did you choose? Who are you right about? Who do you want to brag about? The guy I want to brag about is kind of reverse, though. The person I said who was going to be a fake, who was going to be a fraud, who was going to be a phony, uh, was Arian Foster. Um, and it's not to say that I think Jai, you know, the running joke is drafting him way too early. But I said Arian Foster can't play a full season. He was out game two with a, with a groin, and he's still bouncing around the uh, IR. And, you know, I heard he was practicing a little bit this week. But I can't see him making it through the, the whole season. And if he makes it through the whole the rest of the season, I'll eat my shirt. That's fine. My never-ending glory. You'll eat a shirt? I'll eat my shirt with <laughs> – <laughs> the sriracha, um, uh-huh. with sriracha on it, or just plain? What the hell is sriracha? You mean sriracha? <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> it's how you pronounce it in Boston? Oh my god, you guys are partly. Uh, I want to get into it, but anyway, <laughs> that's that's who I'm, I'm really right about. I don't think I really projected anybody other that some of you haven't already mentioned. Um, the guy I was dead wrong about is Thomas Rawls, by far. <laughs> Another one of my running backs picked way too early and kind of highly touted by me was uh, Thomas Rawls from Seattle, and he hasn't done diddly. Um, Your boy Christina is is definitely taking the the workload that Sean Lynch left behind and is running with it. Um, And he's, you know, people thought it'd be a split back situation. No, it's not even two to one. It's it's he's the guy, and that's it. Well, I mean, and part of that problem is the reason why I was so down on Rawls is because got hurt and he just wasn't back from his ankle injury Mm -hmm. and it seems like they might have rushed him back too soon because then he now has another injury where he's out for another four to six weeks so uh and and chris christine michael has ran really well behind that line yeah Uh, very surprising because he's had a few stints with this is now his second stint with the uh the seahawks and before he really struggled with them. So he, he figured something out in the off season. I'm kind of happy to see him because he's kind of been a running joke in the dynasty circles about, you know, when's C Mike going to finally pan out and it looks like he is. So he's carving a nice role. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the other guy you were wrong about because you drafted him, but he could turn into something. And this is going to be a hot sports take all the listeners out there. If you can find him on your waiver wire, I suggest you at least do it just for a speculative ad, but CJ Spiller, signed with the Seahawks and you know, he had a touchdown in his first game. He didn't have a lot of touches, but he had a touchdown and considering he'd been with the Seahawks for less than a week, that's pretty impressive because he couldn't do that with the, uh, the saints for no. <laughs> over a year. Uh, so I think, I think that uh, CJ Spiller could carve out a role with, with the Seahawks. And as I'm saying this, Jerry is going on to Yahoo fantasy, going to add a player and typing Spiller, CJ, <laughs> I thought about it already. I don't have room on my four no team because we're just so good. So I'm right now. (laughs) But I would say if you get if you can fit CJ Spiller on your roster as a speculative ad in PPR leagues, I think that would be a very good pick. I'll consider it. (laughs) Uh, Week five preview, Jer. Uh, So let's get into it. Not thrilled about the week five matchups from an NFL standpoint and a game watching standpoint. But, you know, there's going to be fantasy points scored, so we got to talk about them. Um, let's start off with that Thursday night game. So we mentioned the first major injury to the Cardinals, Carson Palmer out with a concussion. But also, San Francisco lost Navarro Bowman to a torn Achilles. So they're without their defensive leader. 
the Cardinals are without their offensive leader. I think this means a huge night for David Johnson. Huge night for David Johnson. I, I mean, Drew Sands terrible. He's going to have to just turn around and hand off the ball consistently, and and San Francisco's best run stoppers out. So how how can David Johnson not have over 150 yards from scrimmage in well, uh, Thursday night? I think he's going to have to. Um, I, I kind of disagree with the whole Drew Stanton sucks thing. I think Drew Stanton's a serviceable guy for a game or two. In Bruce Arians' offense, he's been around him for a long time now, and he's not going to put him in a bad situation. He wants to get the ball to David Johnson. Did you many, watch? Many did you watch that Rams game? I know. I, Bruce, I don't. I don't typically seek out Rams games to watch. I don't either. It's called the Red Zone. And it's called being heavily invested in Todd Gurley. Yes, so I watched the Rams game as much as I can, and it was so. You know, you you could see it coming from a mile away. Drew Stanton comes in, and the Rams were already shutting down the Cardinals to begin with. And Stanton throws a pick. It gets called back for, I forget, it was a penalty or if the defender was out of bounds, I forget. And then Drew Stanton gets the ball back and throws another pick down the game. And it was just like, I'm sorry. You can believe in Drew Stanton all you want, but Drew Stanton sucks. No, I don't, I don't believe in Drew Stanton. He game he's good, but he, 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 was in, he was in the game for five minutes and threw two picks and one counted. You ask any, the game, lose you the ask game, any bronze fan if they would take Drew Stanton right now, they, everyone would say yes. Put your hands up right know. now. Kessler so, looked all right. I'm going to roll Kessler. I like Kessler a little bit more. He's okay. Uh, but, he's okay. But hey, he's young hey I mean, you know, it's Thursday night game. You have two banged up teams going against each other in a short rest. It's going to be so ugly. It's going to be so boring to watch. But you know what? I'm probably going to be flipping back and forth from the Tribe Sox game because I'm a stickler for punishment, and the NFL's got me by the balls. Um, well, if you had that Nick but, Schill uh, Tri-Caster setup in your living room, you right, could watch all right. the sports you want. <laughs> and you could watch a little E on the side. We, <laughs> we did talk about that on the uh, Never Any Glory podcast baseball show uh nick Schilling did set up his his man cave and by man cave i mean living room. no main living room man living room right which i don't think that's gonna help the marriage a lot but you know oh my god they got they got their own thing going on (laughs) um the back shed you know in the backyard (laughs) i mean i just think that this thursday night game is just the reason why the nfl ratings are down 24 percent so far in weeks one through four um, they're forcing the product down our, our throat and, but you know, that's a whole different topic for a different podcast. Let's get on to the next game. This one's interesting. It's Texans versus Minnesota at Minnesota. Last week we talked about, do we bet, do you bench Odell Beckham jr. Against the Minnesota defense, which has been the most dominant defense ever, or I'm sorry, dominant defense in the league this year. We both did a resounding. No, you know, you don't bench the studs. You bench like the fringe guys, like the Calvin Benjamins. Right. But, Odell Beckham had his worst game as a pro against this Minnesota Vikings defense. So now we have DeAndre Hopkins, who just came off a one catch performance. If you have DeAndre Hopkins, are you benching him against Minnesota? You're now in that territory where you have to strongly think about it. The right. only saving grace, I think, that would keep um, DeAndre Hopkins on your starting lineup is they still have Will Fuller, who is a, a speed freak. Now, if you don't account for him vertically every time, um, you could get in some trouble. That could open things up for Hopkins. Say what you will about the Giants having three really good receivers. 
the only one that can really that only that could have shredded them vertically was Odell Beckham, and they don't use him that way a ton. They do it, you know, in spots, right? Yeah, but they didn't more, do it because Victor Cruz isn't getting vertical on them, and neither is uh, Sterling Shepard. He's more of a route runner underneath and stuff like that. Right, um, but Jer, from from a from a coaching standpoint, you know, the, the Giants do. They, I'm asking this question: Do they use they use Odell more of a as a possession guy than a, than a, a burner? Agreed, right? Agreed. Agreed. Right, okay. They choose their, they choose their times when they're going to you know uh, maybe motion him to get him to be the number two guy, and he's going to run vertical um, and be a true one on one situation. But I can't think of a weakness on that defense where you know they're going to lose a one on one situation. You know, maybe you draw a pi. That's might be your best bet. I mean, he, think about to the Monday Night Football game. Beckham had one chance to make a deep catch, and he went for the right. one-handed catch, which was going to be super tough, and he dropped it. Yeah. Um, nobody makes that catch. You know, he doesn't make that catch normally. Right. So I don't know if, if it, it really depends on your lineup, but you have to strongly consider benching DeAndre Hopkins against the Vikings this week. So okay, so the, I guess the question I, I want to ask for for not only myself but also for for the listeners out there, you know, if if you have Will Fuller versus DeAndre Hopkins, two very different players in the same offense, obviously going against Minnesota, are you are you saying that you think that Will Fuller will have more success than DeAndre Hopkins does because Will, will Fuller is a true burner? If Will Fuller's on my team is like my third, I would I would leave him on there. I don't think you're hurting anything by leaving him on there. I think they're going to take their defense and and really try to defend DeAndre Hopkins first and then force other guys to beat them. Right. And we've seen that Will Fuller can beat other teams. He's he's a he's been great this year. I mean, I I got him in a rookie league and or I got him in my rookie draft in one of my dynasty leagues and I'm thrilled with the production I'm getting from him. Uh I you know this week I was deciding between Will Fuller and John Brown. John Brown had 11 catches last week, uh, finally overcoming those concussions issues he had weeks one and two. Obviously, with Drew Stanton, I'm not as thrilled starting John Brown. So, But, you know, I, it's, it's going to be a coin flip between Brown and Fuller this week. I'm, I'm leaning towards Fuller after this discussion we've had. So uh, thank you, Chair. I really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. But there's something else you have to consider here. What's that? Brock Osweiler is our quarterback. But Brock Osler is one of the top 10 quarterbacks in the game, according to you. At least like in the top 20, but that fluctuates <laughs> very on you know, many different things. It's a very fluid situation. Is what it you're is. Saying. It is. Okay. Okay. It's a very fluid well, we'll situation. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, you know, I, I, I just I hate – here's the thing. I hate starting a guy on Thursday night and then having him suck. Because I, I feel like my team can oh, never get out of that spoils hole. Spoils the team for the whole weekend. It really, it really does. So then you just like pissed off on Friday and Saturday, and then Sunday rolls around. You're already down by like you know your projections are are down by like ten points on where they should be. So that I'm was probably going to go with Will that was Fuller. Jay Ajayi this week. Oh, that's frustrating. That's real frustrating because you already know going into the JSG sucks. Yeah, and then not only to see him suck on national TV and then see him suck in your starting lineup, it's just very frustrating. So, um, I'll probably go Will Fuller, and and we'll see. I mean, again, I don't think either way. I don't think there's a huge uh, huge difference between the two, but I think Will Fuller's got more of a touchdown upside. But both are burners, so and they're good. It's a good option to have or a good issue to have. Sure. Next next game. Um, we're looking at an offense that's been firing on all cylinders going against the best defense in the league at home. So Falcons at Broncos, you know, we've seen defenses shut down opposing number one wide receivers 
I'm sorry, we've seen the Denver defense shut down opposing number one wide receivers because not only are they physical in the secondary, but also Von Miller, Derek Wolf, and the rest of the crew gets to the quarterback. DeMarcus Ware is out, but I mean, you can't bench Julio Jones after this last performance, right? No, you can't bench him. Um, if you have Matty Ice, you might want to consider getting another quarterback because he might not survive the whole game. I don't know. That, that Falcons offensive line is not very good at protecting him. Yeah. And, and I mean, and just the Denver defense, they pin the ears back and they go straight for the quarterback every mm-hmm. time. But where that works out in fantasy is that running backs seem to have some success against the Denver defense. And the rumor out there is that Tevin Coleman, who has sickle cell, uh, is the sickle cell trait, he will not get a full load in the mile high mile high air um i'm not a doctor but apparently that's really bad for people with sickle cell traits Ryan yeah it's Clark not good to get a ago. full load in the mile high air oh god that's what you said <laughs> i'm just repeating it <laughs> oh goodness gracious oh, we're gonna lose our jobs um <laughs> but you know ryan clark a few years ago lost his gallbladder and had kidney issues or something due to the mile high air and playing a full game is that better um so I wouldn't be shocked if Tevin Coleman, you know, played a lesser role in the offense this week and Devontae Freeman just just goes off again with when when you pin your ears back and go after the quarterback and nice draw opens it up a lot for the running back. There's a lot of soft defensive fronts for running backs. Um, I like Devontae Freeman a lot this week. Jeremy Hill a few weeks ago torched the uh, the the Broncos for a big game. I think they had two touchdowns and the only good game Jeremy Hill's had all year. I should know I have him in five of my seven fantasy leagues. Very frustrating. Um, but you know, I like Devonte Freeman this week. Um, you say you're probably going to bench Matt. I Matt Ryan. You like Julio Jones. Uh, will you be rolling with Devonte Freeman this week? If you got him? Yeah, I kind of agree with your assessment on the, running game against the Denver defense. If you run right at them, you know, with a little bit of draw mixed in there, I think you're going to have some success. Uh, maybe not the performance they had a couple weeks ago where he and Coleman combined for, what, four touchdowns? I don't right. think you're going to get that, but I think you can get uh, 100 yards, maybe two touches at the most. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, a game between two teams that aren't very good, but, you know, the Bills are 2-2, two and two, the Rams are 3-1. and one. They're playing in L.A., I guess the big storyline, and again, I'll mention for probably the third time this episode that I'm very heavily invested in Todd Gurley. Um, do you think Todd Gurley is going to be an RB1 this week, or is he going to be just grinding for RB2 numbers, get you you know five catches but like 40 rushing yards? I mean, where do you see this game going? And remember, Marcel Darius is coming off of his suspension, the defensive tackle for the Bills. So uh, the, the defense will be a little bit more stout, but where do you see this game going for Todd Gurley and his fantasy owners? I think he's still a top seven, eight running back against the Bills. Uh, it's going to be a little bit more tough sledding for him, but he's definitely still got a huge potential for this week. Okay. Yeah, I like I like Todd Gurley a lot this week. Um, maybe it's wishful thinking. I don't know, but uh, I'm going to say Todd Gurley would be an RB1. I like him to find the end zone. It seems like they finally realized that he can catch the ball. He had five or six catches last uh, last week, and in the PPR league, that kind of really saved his week because other than that, he, he really struggled to, to find any running room against the Cardinals. Had 33 rushing yards, but he finished with five receptions on five targets for 49 yards. 
I would just love to see Jeff Fisher and the Rams offense get a little bit more creative with Todd Gurley because obviously he has the skills and the capabilities to catch the ball in the backfield, but for some reason they just they don't line him up creatively. I mean, it's it's every no. time it's like oh it's a one yard halfback dive. It's like playing Madden. It's like playing Madden in all Madden mode. You try to run up the middle, it just isn't going to work. Yeah, they really just dot the eye with him, and that's about it. Like so, there's a lot of different things you could do with him. I wish they would split him out a little bit more. Um, yeah. The way that like Le'Veon Bell gets moved around so creatively oh, by the yeah. Steelers. Yeah, he looked awesome in on in you know the Monday night game or Sunday whatever game. I think it was Sunday, Sunday night, game. night game. Yeah, he looked great. It's like yeah, the, he he goes out and he looks like a wide receiver. And I'm not saying that Todd Gurley is as talented of a pass catcher as Le'Veon Bell is, but I think he can be serviceable. And Your I think body he should have are awfully yeah. similar. Right. Yes. Yes. Definitely, definitely. So, I'm hopeful they'll do that, but but, but we'll see. Um, I think he'll have a good game. But Giants at Packers Sunday Night Football. We talked about Odell Beckham and how he's turned into more of a whiny bitch. You know, he's like, I feel like Beckham is the definition of of what older people think about millennials. Um, oh, he's the definitely con- a millennial receiver. Um, at the conference I was at when I was in Indy, it was funny. We had a bunch of like guys in their mid fifties talking sales and marketing. And it was like old curmudgeons, like talking about millennials. And I'm like, this is how you sell to millennials. They don't care about shit anymore. And I was just picturing that. And then Odell Beckham started crying and whining. And then I said, Oh, this millennials will stop bitching and complaining. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm acting like one of the mid fifties guys. Um, very embarrassing. I kind of checked myself after that. And, but I will say this Beckham's just going to shut up and play football. The guy's a beast. He's a stud. But he also has to stop trying to fight inanimate objects like kicker nets and uh, you know trying to talk shit to everybody on the field because pretty much like the hitting a quarterback below the knees is now called the Tom Brady rule. The the two um, taunting penalties to get you kicked out of the game that's pretty much the Odell Beckham Jr. rule. Am I right? Right. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's kind of annoying to watch. Um, he is. And maybe it's just us getting a little too old, Luke, but he's becoming <laughs> annoying to watch, and I'm kind of tired of seeing him on the field acting like that, and then you go cut right to a head and shoulders commercial where he's trying to be the man, and ugh, it's just annoying. Yeah. I mean, just just play football. You, you are arguably the most talented wide receiver in the NFL, and yes, you start off to a slow start from from uh, you know his perspective, but just just get out there and play football right. and that he's going against the Packers on Sunday night football. What better chance for him to really just cement himself again as arguably the best receiver in football. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he had a typical Odell Beckham night of like eight for one fifteen two touchdowns. He could, he could. It seems like they've had some opportunities to throw him the ball when they're inside the 10 and haven't capitalized on it once. Right. I think the other issue, too, is, I mean, and it's a good thing from an NFL standpoint, but a terrible thing from a fantasy standpoint, is that Sterling Shepard's legit, and Victor Cruz is back. So he's taking, they're both taking some targets from him as well. I mean, before before uh, Shepard was there, they had Ruben Randall, who is now without a job, because apparently he just didn't really care about being in the NFL. And then Victor Cruz was there during Beckham's rookie year, but got hurt. So now, you know, there are two other viable options in that offense. So just maybe. And McAdoo wants you know, to throw it all over the yard. He wants to throw it. Right, right. Which which is great. And now, they, I mean, they don't really have a great running game. Rashad Jennings is hurt. Vereen's out for the season. They have Orleans Darkwa, who's 
just another guy. Um, Paul Perkins looked okay. And I don't think you know this, but uh, John Gruden mentioned about 40 times that the Giants do not have a blocking tight end or fullback on that team. So they're going to throw the ball. (laughs) They don't have a blocking fullback on this team. (laughs) But, I mean, they they have to chuck it against Green Bay because Green Bay, they dominate the first half. They will throw five touchdowns in the first half. But then in the second half, they disappear. So meanwhile, so what could potentially happen – I'm going to throw this out there that um, there's a probably a 75% chance that this happens, that Green Bay goes up by about three to four touchdowns in the first half, and Odell Beckham and the Giants offense does little to nothing. But then second half, Green Bay will get conservative, the defense will get lazy, and then the Giants will come back and make some sort of game of, out of it, and Beckham will finish. He'll get those two touchdowns. He'll pretty much do all of his damage in the second half where old Jerry and I are sleeping. I mean, that's probably accurate. Right, right. Especially me sleeping during Monday Night Football part. (laughs) That's Sunday Night Football. Monday Night Football, you'll... Even, it doesn't matter. Sunday Night, Monday Night. Well, Monday Night, Sunday Night, you'll, like, stay up to, like, 10.30, so you'll be real sleepy. And then Monday Night, you'll make it to, like, midway through the first quarter, and then you're you're out, right? Easily. (laughs) Easily. That 9 o'clock start or that late start is a little bit rougher. Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um... Monday night football game, Bucks at Panthers. So the the main storyline coming out, coming out right now about Cam Newton is that, A, is he concussed and will he play Monday night? And, B, are they using him too much? Well, the Panthers, are they overusing Cam and, and making him more susceptible to injury because he's getting hit so much, uh, not only in the pocket as a quarterback, but also as a runner? Um, so two things. Number one, you know, is he, is he being used too much? Number two, will he get back to his 2015 MVP form? Because he, for those who drafted him in like the second round of fantasy drafts, he really has not lived up to the hype, which isn't shocking because very rarely do quarterbacks ever live up to the hype the second year after they had MVP seasons. Um, but what do you think about those two questions? Do you think he's going to be healthy enough to be his MVP form? And also, are they using him too much? What, I'm going to answer the second one first. Um, what drives me nuts watching him is the way he is so – expectant of the refs to protect him at all times. There was a play in the last game where he pulled, he ran for a first down and pulled up early thinking right. that the guy was just going to let him go. He, was it for the first down or was it when he scored? For a touch, he got I think it was blasted. Right, blasted. Right. And I was so, so happy. It was before he was on my team. But I was so happy that that happened because I, I, he's so arrogant with the way he thinks football is just, you know – it's made to protect him, but at the end of the day, it's still it's still football. If you pull up and you don't go out of bounds and you think you're just going to get like that extra 15-yard penalty, it's not always going to happen like that. You might end up getting hurt. You do that in the goal line, you deserve to get hit. Protect yourself at all times. Like Steve Young would never let that shit happen to him. Never. Right. And- and I think I think that is the hit that actually you know led to his uh, his concussion. So, and he deserves it. Then. Uh, if he's going to be that foolish with with the way uh, he protects himself, then he deserves to get. Well, uh, it, it, honestly, concussed. I remember watching that play, and that remind me so much of when Drew Bledsoe got hit running out of bounds by Mo Lewis, and that started the Tom Brady era. Because literally, that's exactly what happened. Bledsoe literally stopped running about three feet or about a yard away from the from the sideline, and Mo Lewis blasted him, 
that's when Drew went down with broken ribs, a collapsed lung, punctured lung. And ever since then, I feel like quarterbacks really haven't, you know, they, they kind of protect themselves. But Cam thinking that he's literally bigger than everybody else and figuratively bigger than everybody else. Yeah, he let up and yeah. he got blasted, and he might miss he might miss week five because of that. It's and that's, the, it's very frustrating. It's it's almost not exactly equivalent, but it's it's kind of the equivalent of like the uh, M, you know soccer flop when you're a right. superstar and you're dribbling around and you get and you get kind of drilled, you flop and get get what you want. You're not going to get that that 15 yard penalty every single time you pull up and and get bumped and fall out of bounds. The guy's six five, you know he's over two forty. He thinks he can take a hit. Well, guess what? You got jacked up, buddy, and you yeah. kind of deserved it for what you did. I agree. I agree. Hey, let's talk week five point pounders. So um, pretty much I talked about these two guys. I, I said that both of them will have big games. I don't really need to go into them too, too much anymore. Devontae Freeman, I like him a lot in Denver against that defense who will be going after the quarterback and possibly getting the goal line touches that Tevin Coleman was stealing from him. And also Odell Beckham. Hasn't scored a touchdown yet. He just feels like he's ready to just let loose and score 20-plus for your fantasy team this week. Those are my two picks for point pounders of the week. Jared, who do you like? I'm going to start with the man who's coming to Cleveland with a vengeance, uh, Tom Brady. Okay. Uh, I think he's going to throw three or four touchdowns this week and uh, just middle finger to Roger Goodell every single time, <laughs> like pulling a gun out of a holster. Um <laughs> And my second, oh, how how great would that be if Tom Brady throws a touchdown and just looks in the camera and just throws a <laughs> double middle fingers? I mean, because it's so unexpected from Tom Brady. But at this point, he doesn't care. What you know, does he, he have to like, lose? Nothing. Exactly, he has nothing to lose. How great that if he just just got rid of that golden oh, boy persona and just double middle fingers towards Raj? I know that the the boys in Cleveland. Would respect the shit out of that. So, oh, that would be Trust fantastic. Me, there's no, you're an idiot if you go to that game on Sunday and like are like anti Tom Brady. You're, oh, yeah. you're witnessing greatest. It's like you can be mad that like LeBron James tore your team up in in your place, but you're like, it's a really good basketball player. But same with Tom Brady. <laughs> like he's one of the greatest of all time. I'm not gonna ever disparage what he does. He he could he could you know pull his pants down, and take a dump on the middle of the 50 yard line, and, and be like, wow. <laughs> Look at that great guy. He's a really good quarterback. <laughs> He's got great ethics, too. Yeah. Um, who's your number two? Who's your second at point pounder? Uh, Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I think the load's going to get heavier for him this week against the Jets. Yeah, he, he's going to have heavy loads in New York. Uh, the load gets heavier, yeah, in New York. It always does. And he's. <laughs> I love what they do with moving him around. I think he's going to get more receptions this week and just add to his to- uh, point total. So him against the Jets, you know, split him out. Is he sometimes he's lined up as an X, sometimes a tailback, and he's so patient running the ball. It's it's, it's fun to watch. Yeah, I, I love you on Bell. I uh, I got him in the league. It was great to put him in my starting lineup last week. Felt awesome. I mean, passing the torch from D'Angelo Williams to Le'Veon Bell. Um, oh, he's he's so good. He he he. Le'Veon Bell is a consistent point pounder. He is one of those grinders that we talked about earlier. So yeah. I'm excited to see him against the Jets as well. I'll be trying to pull him or get him in my um, my DraftKings lineups and FanDuel lineups this week. Um, but hey, let's get in some listener questions. Billy from Syracuse, interesting question. He said, "Should I drop Golden Tate in a 12 team league?" 
Golden Tate got hmm. benched this week. I mean, it just flat out sucks so far this season. Been a big disappointment ever since uh, Marvin Jones has come into town. We thought that with Calvin Johnson retiring, that Golden Tate would become the possession guy. But he has 14 catches for 95 yards and zero touchdowns on the season. So what are you doing with Golden Tate? In a 12-team league, I, I would consider dropping if I can find an adequate replacement. You know, Um if a guy like Mohamed Sanu is available, that's an easy pickup right there. Um, that, that might be a good way to do it. But if a 12-team league, you know, see what's there, I, I would consider dropping him. Yeah, I think I have a hard time saying drop Golden Tate right now. Um, you know, last year, 90 catches for 813 yards. Not great, but good enough. Uh, year before, 99 for 1,331 yards. So, Listen, is he a wide receiver one? No. Was he overdrafted this year? Absolutely. Uh, He was a fourth-round, fifth-round pick in fantasy drafts. Um, I just think in a 12-team league, you can stash him on your bench, and I don't think there's a lot of great options on the waiver wire. I mean, are you going to drop Golden Tate for Tyrell Williams? I'm not. I mean, I just don't – I see a lot more upside with Golden Tate, so I'd hold on to him. That's Um, fair. But, Yeah. Uh, Nick and Akron sent us an email. He says he has Brady coming back. Congratulations, Nick. Should he trade Matt Ryan for his weakest position? His weakest position is tight end. What type of tight end can he ask for? Can he go as high as Travis Kelsey or Greg Olson? So, Jerry, what what would you what would you expect back if you wanted a tight end for Matt Ryan? Well, if I had Brock Osweiler, I would definitely be trading for Matt Ryan. <laughs> so, uh, no, if I had Travis Kelsey, I. I I might move Kelsey for Matt Ryan, but I don't know about Greg Olson. Like Greg Olson and, and whoever's playing on Monday night, I'm, you know, we think it's going to be Cam, but if it's Derek Anderson, he's still going to be looking for uh, Greg Olson as a legitimate oh, yeah, number one machine. target. Yeah. Um, so that's hard call. If it's Kelsey, I say move him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so right now, Greg Olson's the number one tight end in fantasy football. Uh, obviously Gronk really hasn't played that much and Jordan Reed kind of came off to, uh, you know, start off slow. The Browns, let's just call it what it is, <laughs> but you know, Reed played well, he played well the past two weeks. Um, personally, I mean, obviously it depends on what the other teams have out there. If a team has a quarterback, you know, if they have a, an Andrew Luck type, or if they even have like a Phillip Rivers type, they're probably not going to trade a Travis Kelsey or a Greg Olson for, for Matt Ryan. However, um, if, if they have a huge need at quarterback, I, I kind of tend to agree with you, Jerry. I would expect to get a guy like Kelsey in return. I wouldn't expect to get anything like Greg Olson. You might have to throw something else in there to get Greg Olson. Um, but you definitely, definitely look to move Matt Ryan right now. He's the number one quarterback in fantasy football, deservedly so. He's playing great right now. He's playing very similar to how he did in 2012 and not how he played last year. Last year was terrible. I think that's more because they are splitting up, um, you know, the, the targets to Jacob Tammy, who's a solid tight end. Which, which part of the reason why Matt Ryan was great for those few years was because he had Tony Gonzalez and somebody other than Julio Jones to throw to. The offense is getting less predictable with Tammy, Tevin Coleman, Devontae Freeman, and obviously Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu as well. So I say trade him for Travis Kelsey, but you're gonna have to give up a lot more, or not a lot more, but a fair amount more for Greg Olson. Um, Chris in Buffalo said four games in who are the players when the year ends we will forget about their slow start uh we mentioned odell beckham jr i think that's evident i think he's going to be just fine um but i have rob gronkowski on there jer um you know 
out of New England, they're saying that there's a huge issue with his or, or that they're very concerned with how his hamstring's healing. I really think it has smoke and mirrors, um, and they're just they just want him back full strength when Brady's back. And you know, obviously he pretty much missed the first four weeks of the season because he barely played, and when he did play, he was mostly blocking. But I think he'll still finish with double digit touchdowns and push a thousand yards, even just playing twelve games instead of you know the full sixteen. Right. Uh, is there anybody else you like there, or, or do you want to talk Gronkowski? I mean, where do you, where would you go with this question? Um, those are two pretty good ones. I think the Gronk injury, like you said, is kind of like a four week break, and then they they're gonna unleash once they clear this Browns week. When's their bye week? Six. The Pats bye week is nine, I believe. It's a later one. Nine. Um, yeah, it's pretty late. It's either nine or eleven. I can tell you. I'll tell you in two seconds. Keep talking. So I'm I'm guessing what they're trying to do is get him ready for playoffs. There've been so many times that they've run into a situation where they didn't have him for the playoffs, and then look what happened. Right, um, right. Or in the Super Bowl when he when he wasn't yeah. healthy, and then he, you know, they, they he had, was running free, and then got beat by a linebacker right. by the against the Giants. Yeah, they got a week nine bye after they played Buffalo. So if they get through week five, and then I don't know who their uh, six, seven, eight opponents are, but they got they, bang, bang, Bengals, Steelers, Bills, and then they have a bye. So if they make it, whether well, they're three and one, if they can make it to. Six and three going into the bye. You know they're, they're in the driver's seat for the the, uh, the AFC East. All they got to do is get into the playoffs, and they'll be fine. So keeping Brady upright and keeping Gronkowski healthy is probably huge. And he's going to put I, up his numbers. I disagree. They need to, they need to be the one seed because right now Denver's four and zero. And last year we saw that they had oh, to go to Denver. I understand. They yeah. had to go to Denver and play in Denver, which the Patriots always struggle in. So uh, I see what you're saying. You know, they 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 want to make sure that I think with Brady and without Gronk, they can beat the Browns. They can beat the Bengals at home. They might struggle at Pittsburgh, and they should be able to beat the Bills at home. So I think worst case scenario. They'll go into the bye four, five, six, and two. Worst case scenario. See, I think they can um, beat Pittsburgh by their defense. I think they can stop Pittsburgh, um, right. not outscore them. I think you got to you got to get stops against those guys. And you know, the Chiefs thought they were a pretty good defense, and I, I think the Patriots have a better D. Sure, sure. Uh, last question. This is our from our good friend in Rusty uh, in, in Louisville, uh, where the natty light tastes sweeter. Uh, is Terrell Pryor? <laughs> Is Terrell Pryor Sr. a viable option moving forward? And so this is kind of a hot-button topic that we've, we talked about earlier because you and I and the rest of the NEG yeah. podcast crew was very anti-Terrell Pryor in the preseason when he started to light it up. You know, we said that there's no way that he's going to keep yeah, we up for the season. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, we're wrong. <laughs> you know, especially for with sure. this Josh Gordon suspension and Corey Coleman being hurt. I feel like, you know, Crowell's been good. Uh, Duke Johnson's been okay, but the only electric player on this offense has been Terrell Pryor, and I see no reason why his role will change as we move forward let's, throughout the uh, season. Let's play the under-over game. Ready? Who right. has over 40 targets right now? Ready? Over 40 targets. I'm going to give you three names. You tell me who's over. Okay. Um, A.J. Green. Um... Terrell Pryor Sr. and Julio Jones. I'm going to go with all of them. 
you're incorrect. Oh, really? Pryor is is 40. Green is 44. Julio Jones is 35. Okay. So semantics. That's pretty close. If you round up, then it would have been all of the above. Okay. That's fine. That's five targets. That's that's a whole game's (laughs) worth if you're Cleveland Brown. Um, (laughs) No, he's he's a legitimate threat. And they didn't do a lot of the cool stuff that they had done the week prior in their last game um, when they were down in Miami. Miami, he played all over the field. This past week, they did not do that. You know, I think, were they, you know, hanging on to some stuff they want to try with the Patriots? I don't know why. They have nothing else to lose. But he's fun to watch. He's a freak. He's a physical freak. He's a viable option. He's their number one receiver, basically. Well, I think this is kind of what we've been waiting for ever since he came out of Ohio State is we, you know, especially in dynasty circles, he was that unknown, that kind of like the Braxton Miller right now, except with less baggage. We were waiting to see, is, is he going to be able to turn into an NFL receiver? Can he run the route tree? Can he catch the ball? Mm-hmm. We know he's athletic enough and he's proving it. I mean, he's 27. It's taken a, you know, a long time to learn the receiver position, which isn't crazy to think about uh, considering you're going against elite competition in, in you know, secondaries, the, the best players in the world. Um, but I, I, I think that he's a great option moving forward. And if you picked him up off your waiver wires, you have a de facto, you know, ceiling, or you have a, you have a floor of wide receiver three because they're just going to force feed in the ball moving forward. Who else are going to throw it to? You now Corey Coleman's out. He's out for another two to three weeks. Um, Andrew Hawkins just isn't good. Barnage has regressed a little bit. Uh, and Josh Gordon isn't coming back. So Terrell Pryor is the number one outside receiver. And, and I... <laughs> I see no reason why he won't keep it up. Uh, so Russell's Russell's uh, or Rusty's last last question is a little interesting. Uh, hits me close to the close to the heart. He says, "Whose facial hair is more patchy, mine or Von Miller's?" Mine being Luke Grilly's, the host of Never Ending Glory podcast. Yours is so pretty said, brillowy, right. and sparse. Right. It, it's frustrating. Like right, my right below my right cheek. Like right next to my chin, I can't grow anything. It looks like I, I tell people that my dad uh, put out a cigarette on me or something like that. They believe <laughs> me. They actually believe me. It's pretty. It's pretty embarrassing. Like, no, he didn't actually do that, idiots. I don't really know Kevin. Von Miller's facial hair that much, other than the Madden commercials where he's uh, right. just start me, which is really right. funny. Um, is that sarcasm? No, I think it's pretty funny. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, he uh, he's ruining okay. uh, a classic hit of "Sorry" by Justin Bieber. I'm gonna go. You have worse facial Just hair. On? I'm gonna go. You have worse facial hair than Von Miller. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's probably right. Uh, Von Miller is a man's man, and I, I can't grow a beard. So, uh, thanks, Rusty, for bringing up uh, things that make me upset. And um, nice. you know, I, I've worked on. It was fun in college. Uh, I would grow my facial hair out because that's what you did in college, and we would uh, we color in with Sharpie the areas I couldn't grow in. Ugh. So I actually, I actually would look good with a beard if I could grow a beard. Gross, gross. You, you used a sharpie ill. <laughs> it's called college, man. It was during like country fest or something. What can I say? Um, so that's week five. You know, hey, I'm four and zero in the league for the Ville. Jerry, you're one and three. But you know, hey, you got a new team coming forward. We're hoping that Cam Newton can uh, can stay upright and can uh, play on Monday night. If not, it might be the DA, the DA show for simply ravishing your fantasy football league or fantasy football team. Um, you got anything else to, to report about in the uh, episode 29 of Never, Never Any Glory podcast? No, just looking forward to everybody coming into Cleveland this weekend for a um, possible double deuce or a double up Browns. Double deuce, huh? 
Double deuce. Maybe I mean, it will be double deuce before. for Cleveland. Let's be real here. It will be double deuce. You guys are going to lose both of them. You're going to owe me a six-pack of Bumbleberry. I'm going to sip it right in your face via FaceTime just, just so I can. Um, and my wife will be disappointed in me for drinking on a, on a weekday, but it is what it is. What else is there? Your wife's disappointed in you. <laughs> a lot, a lot. Hey, be sure to check us out on Twitter at Glory Podcast, and don't forget that we have a college football show as well as a baseball yes. show, and we will potentially be coming out with an NBA show as well. Pretty much we're telling you, hey, Ringer, we're, uh, we're coming for that number one spot right there. We're building our brand. We're spreading that content on Twitter. Find us at Glory Podcast. You can find um, the, the baseball show at NEG Pod MLB, and we'll, they'll be making sure they keep you uh, uh, up to date on all the latest things that go on uh, during the, the college baseball play- – I'm sorry, the Major League Baseball playoffs. And then, of course, follow the college football show at NEG Pod uh, yeah, NEG Pod CFB. They have great picks every week. Uh, Sean Z, who you hear on our show every now and again, as well as the Pick'em Show, he's on there consistently with Moner and Farky and Schillig. And then, of course, on Facebook, Never Any Glory Podcast. Find us, like us, comment, email us at negpodcast at gmail.com. Find us on e- on iTunes, dynastyfootballwarehouse.com. And, of course, if you see Buckeye Vodka sitting in the, uh, the aisles of, G- of a Giant Eagle, make sure you pick it up. Make yourself a nice Moscow mule while you sit down and watch Tom Brady just wreak havoc on the Browns and the rest of the NFL. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be that, enjoying some uh, Buckeye Vodka Bloodies Sunday morning while I'm watching, getting ready to watch my beloved Brownie stick on the uh, the Patriots. On that tailgate game. Exactly. Tailgate so, game. Go out, get that Buckeye Vodka. Jerry, enjoy the game this Sunday. I'm sorry I can't be there, but please make sure that you get some quality audio, get some pictures to share with our listeners and our viewers, and I'm sure they'll appreciate it. So enjoy the game. Stay safe. Go Pats. Go Red Sox. 